the Premier League on OTB. Young men's son! Who needs Harry Kane when you've got young men's son? Exclusive Premier League live commentaries every Sunday. The very best expert analysis on your phone and for free. Download the OTB Sports app now. You ain't shit! I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. My fans can be the harshest critics, you know. And they often are. A wife is often the harshest critic <laughs> of her husband. <laughs> I thought I was invincible. That's what you're, you're trained to believe as a sports person. There was four million people in Ireland who knew much more about managing <laughs> football teams than I did. When it comes to music, I can spoof with the best. Your sporting career is the best time you'll have, and, you know, you have to hang on to it for as long as your life, because everything else is pretty crappy. And this is not lies. Stephen Rochford has never spoken to Jim McGinnis in his life. Back to Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until five. You can text us on five three one zero six. We're streaming the conversation as well. Listen on News Talk. Watch us on the digital and social channels for Off the Ball. For Periscope on Twitter at Off the Ball YouTube and on Facebook. We're also streaming on the OTB Sports app. The Paralympics is in full flow. We've got the third of four feature interviews with some of Team Ireland's athletes up on our YouTube and Facebook channels as Ellen Keane sits down with Jason Smith to chat through her career and his career. The four interviews are all with thanks to Toyota Ireland. Hashtag start your impossible. You can find out more at toyota.ie forward slash Paralympics dot JS. O-N. Now, our panel dedicated to the Paralympics this week, Ellen Keane, we were speaking about there, was 13 years of age when she, she swam in her first Paralympics in Beijing. This week, she won her first gold medal. 13 years later, Ellen, one of 29 Team Ireland athletes who've represented their country at the Games uh, this summer. We're hopeful of adding more medals by the end of the week. We've got uh, Katie Georgeson-Levy and Eve McChrystal winning silver earlier today to talk more about the Games, the Paralympic movement, wider issues as well around disability. Uh, we're joined by the former president of Paralympics Ireland and four-time Paralympian John Fulham and the silver and bronze medal winning Paralympian in the discus from Rio and London, Orla Barry. John and Orla, you're very welcome. Thanks, Thanks very much. To Great to see you and um, to hear you. And we're going to be joined as well by the Off the Bench presenter and journalist, Clina Foley. She is in Tokyo and she'll keep us up to date as well with what's going on out there just after two. Uh, John, you're from Limerick, Orla. You're from Cork. Uh, so commiserations, Orla, after last weekend of the hurling. And uh, John, congratulations. Do you have the bragging rights? Uh, <laughs> today, I, I, we probably do, yeah. It was, it was a good game. But when the game was on, I was down, down in Cork down in West Cork, uh, so I was I was keeping a low profile, to be honest with you. I was surrounded by them, and I, I could have been thrown out of the place if I got too big for my boots. Orly, you're going to be back. You'll be back next year. Yeah, look, they were just a better team on the day. Yeah, that, that, that just pretty much sums it up, doesn't it, Orla? Great week so yeah. far for uh, Team Ireland. We had Ellen Keane winning the gold the other day. And, John, a brilliant performance by uh, Katie George Dunleavy and Eve McChrystal. It's not normally that they'd be in the velodrome, but they won a silver today. Yeah, I suppose today was was one of the, the events that it was, was a bit of a surprise for them. Um, I suppose they would have been targeting the road. And, look, the, the, let's, let's put what they did this morning in context. They set a world record. In, in the semi-final before then Britain to come along and then break that world record and then for the two of them to spar off in the final. It was just incredible. Um, it's, it's so from, from that point of view, their achievement, it, it just shows where they're, they're at right now, right now and it kind of, it bodes well for the road race as well. I think there's more to come from them. Yeah, absolutely. And a silver medal, a great start to the week. Uh, just tell us about your own journey, John, living with disability, becoming a Paralympian, uh, I think it was back in Barcelona, it was your first Games, and then you became the president of Paralympics Ireland. 
Yeah, it's a god. Where where do you start? With, the beginning. With all of that? <laughs> and like Barcelona is God. It's what twenty nine years ago now. So yeah, that was my first games. I got involved in disability sport probably at the age of fourteen or fifteen. Where before that, I didn't didn't even know I could do sport. Um, and I got involved through a local club at the Irish Wheelchair Association at the time. Um, and I tried loads of different sports. Discovered that I was no good at discus. Orla would be devastated to hear. Um, but that, but I was actually I had some. I enjoyed the racing and the going going at speed and stuff. So from there, I tried many sports, and then later on, towards eighty nine, ninety, specialized and, and moved into more of a kind of a high performance uh, focus. And then got got my my first cap in in Paralympic cap in nineteen ninety two, and went on to to get four games out of it. And then after after I retired in two thousand and four, I turned to the dark side, and I became an official. <laughs> um, and then I so this is my my first time not being at the Paralympic Games now since 1992. I've always been there as an athlete or in some form or another. Um, and so it's it, it's it's a bit strange to, to to be watching them, but it's 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 great to see them as well. So it's look that's that's a very abbreviated uh, kind of uh, review of, of of such a long period of time. But that that's really where I came from and where I ended up. And it was racing was, you were doing, John, was it? Sprinting, yeah, yeah. to 100 and 200 meters uh, was was what I love to do. I I would do some other races as as part of the the training work, but yeah, sprinting was was my forte. And I believe you played on the Irish basketball wheelchair team for a long period of time. I did well when I when I gave up in 2004. I, as I said, I had started trying all sports before I specialized in the track racing. So when I retired in 2004, I moved away from racing because I knew I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be able to do it just for a social purpose. I would always be competitive at it. And so I moved to basketball, but look, look what happened there. I, I got stuck into the basketball team. And because I had a background in basketball, I was able to pick up fairly fairly quickly. And I suppose I was able to take some of that high performance context into what I did with, with, in my own job on the team and then got to, to be part of the, the basketball team, that Irish, Irish team for European Championships in 2000 and. 7, 2009, I think, yeah, were, were, were through the years. Orla, you picked up a discus, I believe, at the age of nine. So you start at that age and then you're in Beijing as an 18-year-old. You, then you win medals in in London and Rio. Describe oh. your journey living with disability and, and then becoming a Paralympian. Yeah, so um, I'm a double above knee amputee. So like all children, I suppose I was encouraged to take part in sport. Um, and, you know, I suppose my parents were kind of wondering what is out there and what is available for her. Um, and again, like John, it was the IWA that um, I got involved in and I, I was I tried swimming, I tried athletics, I did a bit of track field. Um, and it was very clear from the beginning that the discus was going to be my main event and it was going to be what I was best at. So um, I just focused on that for, for a number of years and I started at the very bottom and I, I climbed my way all the way up, up the ladder. I went from, um, you know, going from junior events to senior events and um, competed at um, some European World Championships. And then, as you say, I made Beijing in 2008 as an 18-year-old. Um, I came fifth and then I came third in London and second in Rio. Um, and again, like John, I'm, I'm now watching them at home thinking, oh, wow, I you know, I was at the last couple of Paralympics and now I'm, I'm here watching them at home. I, I wish I was out there. Um, but look, that's, um, you know, that's retirement, isn't it, from sport? And um, 
I'm enjoying watching them at home and like I can see that they are very, very competitive, um, but, but great to see. What was the training regimen like then, Orla? A lot of upper body strength to develop. Yeah, so um, for the discus, I I threw from a seated position because I wouldn't have the balance to throw standing up. So um, I competed against um, all other athletes who were, were sitting down also. So we would all have lower limb abnormalities. Um, and I had to uh, focus on my, my core, a really strong core, um, a really fast throw so to speed power um that they were the, the main things that i worked on um and it was all just upper upper body strength um and obviously very technical event as well because you know your, your technique is is so so important it's no good being strong and powerful and fast if you don't have the technique to match as well so um it's just a combination of all all those things how have attitudes changed towards paralympians now orla are they being recognized more as elite athletes as they should be yeah, I definitely think that um, it has changed over the years and changed for the better. Um, I know, you know, when I went to Beijing, I, I would have got a few comments about, um, you know, you're off to the Special Olympics and you're, you know, you're trying to correct people. No, actually, it's the Paralympics I'm going to. Um, but then I think when London happened in 2012, it was so close to home and it was so um, accessible for people to be able to watch because obviously there is no time difference. Um, and I think people just got so interested in our stories and how like, you know, everyone is at the Paralympics um, because they have a disability and there's a story behind that disability. And I think people really like to hear those stories. Um, and they see athletes competing now at such a high level and um, at such competitive events. I mean, anyone watching Ellen's event there the other day, they would see how close she was between gold and silver um, and how exciting it can be. Um, so I definitely think that attitudes are changing and, and people see Paralympic athletes now for the elite athletes that they are. And people have changed in the way they speak as well. It's not uh, people almost saying the wrong thing or like, uh, meaning well, but saying the wrong thing at times. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like, I've often heard the phrase, like, um, Usher, aren't you great? You know, um, and I'm wondering, like, are you telling me that? Because I'm a three-time Paralympian that has multiple medals from major championships. Or are you telling me that because... I have a disability and I got up this morning and I'm getting on with life, you know, and I hope that it's for the, the, the first reason, you know, I hope it's it's for the, the getting to the Paralympics and, and winning the medals. But I do think that that is improving, you know, um, and I don't think people um, see disabilities and, and disabled people as being so different now, whereas now, you know, um, you want to be treated the same as everybody else and, and to have no difference, you know. John, over the 29 years since Barcelona, have you seen a change in attitudes and a, a progression of the movement, uh, as Orla is saying there? Absolutely. The, in terms of, of, firstly, the progression of the movement, the Paralympic Games just continues to get bigger and better. And the standard of competition just continues to grow. And what it takes to compete at that level, it, you know, becomes harder and harder. Um, so that that's great, great way to see that. Now that brings its own challenges for the Paralympic movement, but it's great that that it's it's building momentum in that way. And then I, I suppose have I seen changes in attitudes? Yes, I have seen changes in attitudes. Or Orla, 
articulated it very well. But but you know, it, I, we still, I've, I, amongst my friends, we joke about it—the inspiration porn. Um, that people, you know, to, still, I have still come across those comments that that the attitudes are that that people, you know, still think you're great for for just doing what everybody does. Um, so we've still got a bit of work to do in, in, in the broader context of, of, of changing that. And look, what Paralympic uh, sport does in that context is it celebrates disability, but it also celebrates ability. So it breaks down the stigma, it breaks down the, the perceptions, and we start to have the conversation and people begin to realize that, that maybe their attitudes are old and, and that they, they need to change. So yeah, definite progress being made and the movement is getting really successful and really big. Um, and and that's what we want compared to what 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 I saw first time twenty nine years ago. It, it's it's a completely different landscape. You speak about the inspiration piece there, uh, John. Was that in any degree patronizing? Oh, it is patronizing. And oftentimes people don't intend it to be patronizing, but 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 they do. Like I oftentimes would be would be come across people who would well intentioned say things to me like, you know, I don't see you. I see your wheelchair. I'm oh, sorry, I don't see your wheelchair. I see you. And while while that's very well intended, what it's inferring in there is there there's some stigma or there's some negativity uh, associated with the wheelchair or the disability, and that's the type of thing we need to break down. Um, and that's what 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 the para sport does in so many positive ways. It celebrates the disability. It's in there. It's it's part of who we are. It doesn't define us, but it's nothing to nothing to to, to be hidden away. Nothing to be considered negative. But then it celebrates the ability, and then it celebrates what people can do, and it it, it showcases that. So. So from that point of view, then you can you can change that mindset, and that's the part the Paralympics Ireland and the Paralympic sport can play in the overall context of of, of the changing the attitudes of disability. Yes, it's like fifteen percent of the world's population lives with a disability. John, one point two billion people. Mm, absolutely, and then you'll see that the the IPC before the games, the International Paralympic Committee, just announced that they were they were you know, joining that we are fifteen which is an alliance of disability organizations around the world, which, is, which has a long-term strategy to address the, the, the rights and the attitudes uh, towards people with disabilities. Because let's face it, Paralympic sport showcases what the best that it can be. But it, for, for many people living life every day today, there still are issues and, and challenges that, that, they have, that they have to face. So IPC, as part of that movement, recognizes that they, you know, there's work to be done and that they play a part in it. Um, so from from that point of view, um, I, I think it's a very positive movement to, for them to be part of, just celebrating sport as, as part of the overall picture. Yeah, I was really struck by Phil Eaglesham. He's a shooter who's representing Team Ireland. Uh, he was in Afghanistan and, and in an illness. And he's uh, now designing a new wheelchair to make his life easier. And this is a quote from an interview with John O'Sullivan and the Irish Times. A lot of the time we sit and wait for the world to adapt to us. We're one of the most discriminated against groups of people in the world as disabled people. You go out the front door and there'll be a curbstone or a step and someone is parked there and you can't get up. But people don't see it unless you're in that world. We try to design something and adapt to the world rather than waiting for the world to adapt to us. I know what it's like not to have that chair. We're trying to take the things that we've learned or my friends have learned and encompass that. It's all about ability, not disability, trying to enable and not disable. I thought it was very powerful words from Phil there, Orla. Yeah, very, very powerful. Um, and he's right, you know, as you're reading every sentence of that, you know, I'm very much agreeing with what he's saying. Um, and I suppose, like, go, going back to the, the campaign that IPC have started, like, you know, we just want to show that 
we do um our everyday lives the same as everybody else's everyday lives you know um like you can see from the ad that that, that they've created like you you get up in the morning you you get dressed you have your, your dinner you go to work you you drive a car you know everything is the same um we just happen to have a disability as well and i suppose um as disabled people you know we adapt to the world around us and as phil rightly said rather than the world adapting to us yeah, Ellen Keane was speaking after her medal uh, ceremony. She was in an interview yesterday. I was sitting on there, John, and uh, uh, she's been, you know, regularly hosting shows here on Off the Ball. And she yeah. she said she's just an athlete that happens to have a disability. She wants to see more people in mainstream media who have a disability. We're all human beings. We're all the same. She's a great role model, as is Jason Smith. Absolutely, and it's about celebrating difference. Like you're, John, you're different from me. I'm different from Orla, and that's really what it's about. So it's not it's not to to focus. Uh, on the difference, but just to embrace it, and that's what true inclusion is about. It's it's yeah, every single every single person has something to add to the equation, and why not? Like what I would love to see in four years' time is one of the Paralympic athletes sitting on the Olympic coverage, um, and offering our perspective on what on what the, our, our counterparts are doing in the Olympic Games, because that's what happens with the, that's what's happening right now with the Paralympic coverage for for Natalia Coyle and David Gillick doing the commentary. So I'd love to see that in reverse because then that that's true equality and it, it it's 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 recognizing the difference of, of point of view but that everybody has that bit to offer. And you've and, issues in the Olympics like uh, doping and you had the same in the Paralympics or you had a competitor who was uh caught doping. Yes, I did. Yeah, so uh, back in 2015 at the World Championships, I won a bronze medal and that athlete that you talked about there, she won a silver medal and a number of months later, my bronze was upgraded to her silver. But I had competed against her for a number of years and you you would question, well, what else does she owe me, you know? They didn't go back on... Um, previous events you know it was just that one event that i was upgraded and there were times maybe where i would have came fourth in the competition and she would have been on the podium and you would wonder well you know was she doing everything above board at the time did i deserve to be on the podium that time instead of her um but you can't read on that either because i will never know no one will ever know um and you have to trust in the system and you have to trust that um anyone who's involved in doping will be caught and she was caught um and that's all you can do and of course yourself to be you know a clean athlete yourself so we're, we, we've challenges in the olympics and the paralympics what about the support john the funding structure it, it, how is the paralympic movement supported by the state and by say sport ireland and all these organizations is it well supported it, it, it is, it is sport, I suppose, like Orla, the, the Sport Ireland, firstly, their carding system, it treats athletes with an equal, equal yeah, way. So Orla would, as a medalist, would have been treated the same way as, as our Olympic counterparts as medalists. So that, that structure is there. And then there, there there's funding that goes to the, um, to Paralympics Ireland, and it goes to the uh, Olympic Federation as well. But I suppose, I think... After Tokyo, and, and I'm loath to dwell on, on the issues like this now during their performance because we don't want to distract from the athletes' performances over there. But afterwards, I do think that whole piece about how disability sport is funded needs to be looked at because I don't think that we continue continue to do the same things and expect different results. It's getting more competitive. It's getting more costly. And therefore, we're, we're going to have to review that. And we're, we're, we're also going to have to look at a real focus. One of my... My, I suppose, concerns is that the Irish system tends to reward success 
And I think we've got to now look at how we invest in, in development. So, you know, just because an athlete makes a final doesn't, doesn't meddle. You've still got to invest significantly in them. Colin Judge, for example, who, who went out in the quarterfinals, he didn't meddle. But Colin is a real prospect for, for 2024. So I believe we have to really look at that system and, and see how we can best support athletes with a disability. And I think, you know, discussions can be, can be held with Sport Ireland as to how that's done. But on a principal level, that's, that's the, key, the key area that I think we need to focus on right now. Uh, just briefly, Orla, were you happy with uh, the support you received when you were involved in the heat of Rio and uh, London and these games? Yeah, like as John said, like I would have got equal funding, you know, to my Olympic counterparts, and like I can't complain um, about the the support that I received from um, both Paralympics Ireland and Sport Ireland. It was absolutely amazing, but I I do agree in what John is saying there about development, and I do think that we have to go back to the grassroots too. You know, like if we look at the Paralympic athletics team that's gone out, it's the first time we don't have a seated. Paralympic thrower um, and that is obviously something that's really close to my heart because um, that that was my event and I always had Paralympic throwers, um, seated throwers to look up to, to get advice from um, but they're, they're not there now, they're not on the Paralympic panel and it would be fantastic for the kids that are coming up now, you know, to have someone to look up to to say, um, you know, I want to get to a Paralympics, um, I want to be the next Orla Barry, whatever, but like there, there's nobody on the panel now for them to look up to. Um, so, you know, there there are elements um, of the development that need to be better. Okay. And I would, I would throw in, well, John, that, you know, there there are good building blocks there. That, like the, the Institute of Sport is a fabulous development. There are great facilities there and they're being built upon. But it's, it's really, and, and while the athletes individually might get it, that, that support, I think, Maybe one of the areas we can look at is, is there parity of funding in relation to the NGBs, the national governing bodies, and what they get to, to support disability sport within their programs. So when we look at the high performance funding, Paralympics Ireland gets money, the Olympic Federation gets money, but all and support, but the NGBs also get high performance support, which wouldn't be included in the budgets of the Paralympics Ireland or the Olympic Federation. So is there parity of esteem within that funding, or is there an adequate ratio that's an area we can look at okay uh, but there are good building blocks there and sport ireland have put in place some really good things as well so so you know there's a lot to build on okay thanks so much for the moment john fulham and orla barry back with more on the paralympics after the news on the saturday panel we're also going to be joined by clean foley who's in tokyo just to let you know as well from the premier league manchester city leading arsenal by four goals to nil we're back after the news you can text us with any questions to orla and john on 53106 saturday panel on Off The Ball. And you're welcome back to Off The Ball Saturday here on News Talk. John Duggan with you 3-5. to five. Just let you know in the minor final, the All-Ireland minor football final, it is Meath 1-10, Tyrone 1-8. They're into the second half, 43 minutes on the watch. So Meath now ahead in the minor final. The senior semi-final throws in between Kerry and Tyrone at 3.30. Mike Quirk will be there for us to build up uh, from about half past two. Also in the Premier League, Manchester City 4 Arsenal nil is the latest score. They're well into the second half. We've had goals from Ilgai Hundawan, Ferran Torres, 
Gabriel Jesus and Rodri uh, Granit Xhaka was sent off for Arsenal in the first half they're en route now uh, for a third uh, straight defeat in a row in the Premier League in the Championship it is Cardiff City 1 Bristol City 2 and Derby lead Nottingham Forest by one goal to nil so the pressure is on Mikel Arteta and the pressure is very much as well on Chris Hewton at Nottingham Forest it is now time for our Paralympics update The Paralympics Report on Off The Ball with Toyota Ireland Start Your Impossible and Team Ireland has won its second medal of the 2021 Games in Tokyo. Katie George Dunleavy and Eve McChrystal have claimed silver in the B3000 metres individual pursuit. They were pipped for the gold medal by Great Britain's Laura Fashi and Corinne Hall. Dunleavy and McChrystal broke the world record in their qualifier by posting a time of 3 minutes 19.946 seconds before Fashi and Hall broke it again. And also the velodrome today, Martin Gordon and Eamon Byrne finished 5th in the B1000 metres time trial. Nicole Turner was 7th in the SB6100 metres breaststroke final. She'll now get ready for the 50 metres butterfly, her favourite discipline. And Ellen Keane has been reflecting on her gold medal achievement 13 years after her first appearance at a Paralympics in Beijing in 2008. Keane reached the summit in the pool in the SB8100 metres breaststroke on Thursday. Thursday, and the Dublin native is hoping to inspire the Paralympians of the future. A lot of people aren't able to to do what they love. A lot of young athletes, age group athletes, are out of their sport. They haven't been able to train. They haven't been able to see their friends. They mightn't even want to go back to sport once all these activities start back up. But we're here to show them what is possible, and we're here to show them like it is worth it. Just stick with your sport. Come back. You are capable of doing this. And I think that's kind of what all of us want to inspire want to inspire the the younger generation to get back into sport. Now, a reminder, you're listening to our Paralympics report on Off the Ball coming your way every weekday morning on OTBAM and every evening during the week on Off the Ball, all with thanks to Toyota Ireland. Hashtag start your impossible. And also in the T13 1500 metres today, uh, Greta Streamakita finished fifth in a time of four minutes, 34.82 seconds. She was beaten for a medal late on. The Paralympics Report on Off the Ball with Toyota Ireland. Start your impossible. Now we're chatting to former Paralympians John Fulham and Orla Barry here on the Saturday panel. You were streaming the conversation as well, so you can listen to us on News Talk, but also watch us on digital and social channels for Periscope on Twitter and Off the Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. You can text us any questions for our panel 53106. We're also delighted to be joined on the line from Tokyo by the presenter of Off the Bench and journalist Kleena Foley, who is at the Paralympics. Uh, Kleena, I suppose we should say good evening. Hi, John. How are you? Good evening, everybody. Uh, good to see you, Kleena. And we've got a second medal of the Games. Were you there to see uh, Kelly George and Levy and Eve McChrystal? There's so many disciplines and so many things going on. Um, Kleena, it's hard to get around Tokyo, I'd say, but a great achievement for them to win silver. Fantastic. Yeah, they're about um, they're about a two to three hour journey away. So um, I, it's impossible to get to everything. And I was in the track today for Greta uh so the 1500 so unfortunately i didn't get to see it but i'm not surprised john um i interviewed them about a month ago and at the time they said that they thought that if if ireland had a, a velodrome they reckon they could be the best in the world on the track it's the first time they've medaled on the track but they really do think that they have huge potential on the track and of course their last two medals in rio were won on the road and they have to come yet on the road races so really looking forward to seeing what they can do next yeah john we were speaking about uh official dumb uh, before two o'clock a velodrome would be handy wouldn't it in this country Absolutely, I think I think that's a, that goes without saying. Um, and you know, I know while there are plans there, it, it just needs to happen. We need to see it, and we need to see it coming soon. But you know, just let's let's focus on the girls' performance. Absolutely fantastic, and as Kleena says, road race to come. 
Uh, Gretchen Streamakita, disappointing because she went well early on, uh, Kleena, but just in the last 400 metres, it, it took its toll. Yeah, really so, because um, she had she has just really come on so much in the last year or two. Um, she knocked nine seconds over PP. Um, she's working with Phelan Kelly, the coach who has a lot of Olympians in his group, and really, you know, came in here in 4.29. She actually had the fastest PB. But the problem, I think, with this year for everybody in all sports is you don't know what form anybody has because it hasn't been competitions. And also, she was her race was really dictated by a brand new young 21-year-old Ethiopian who kind of burst the, t- burst the field open very early in the second lap. Um, so Greta was in the hunt for a bronze, I'd say, until about 200 to go. She just felt tonight she just didn't have it and she didn't look, you know, but she didn't blame the heat or anything. She just said, you know, um, but I thought it was really interesting. You know, she's in a vision impaired uh, category and it is interesting to me how, you know, how do you read a 1500, which is so tactical. And at one stage, actually, she clipped the Tunisian and Tunisian nearly went down, who was the reigning champion. Um, and you can actually, you know, if you look closely, you can see how, um, you know, a vision impairment can affect you in such a tactical race as the 1500. But Greta only turned 26, the, actually the day of the opening ceremony. So there's still a lot of years of running in her and she's really improved this year. And Salem Kelly, I know, has uh, doubled her training, um, the amount of mileage she's doing and, and feels that that's going to make a huge difference to her in the future. What's the experience been like for the Paralympians on the ground in Tokyo in the midst of the pandemic, Lena? It's funny, John, I, I, I had to take my, um, I've taken my mask off to talk to you, but actually you have to wear a mask all the time here, indoors and outdoors. The, the athletes have been very, very philosophical about it and um, really amazingly so. They haven't, there hasn't been a word of complaint from them and they actually say, that, you know, they kind of like that it's a very tight bubble and, you know, the, the, I suppose the focus is on the athletes. Um, but, you know, they, they, only, they can only come in four days before their event. They have to go out two days after straight away. There's none of the socialization or, you know, the mixing that you'd normally have in an Olympic situation. So it's very, very, very focused, um, I think, competitively. Um, uh, and for us, it's the same. You know, uh, we can't go out of our hotels except for the usual 15 minutes. And we haven't done that yet. I um, haven't even chanced it. <laughs> but um, so it's very tight. Everything is closed down here at night uh, from half seven on. Nothing is open. Shops, restaurants, nothing. Um, and as I said, you have to wear a mask outdoors and indoors all the time and uh, I imagine that's very difficult on athletes as well. And as well tough on the administrators because they have to keep the athletes motivated and, and upbeat. Yeah like it, 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 it well I think one thing about this is like the Irish team is, is 29 strong and they're very tight um, and they're, they're you know a bit of success like Ellen had and like the the women's tandems had today will really uh, I think even bind them even tighter so but uh, I'm amazed at even Greta tonight like it was it was well it was I think 30 degrees on the track of 55 percent humidity and she didn't she said no nothing to do with the heat it was just how I ran and they're not looking for excuses in any way shape or form so um I think you know that is John and Orla well Orla and John are both Paralympians and they'll tell you that you know you're here to do a job and really, you know, even if there isn't a crowd here, uh, you'll just go and do the job the same as you would do anyway. I think it's people like us who miss the crowd more nearly. I walked into the stadium and it's a beautiful stadium here. It's absolutely gorgeous. And I walked in today for the first time and I was actually a little bit sad and I thought, what a shame there isn't people here to watch this. What have Japan been like as hosts, Kleena? Oh, amazing. You know, the Japanese, I've only been here once before for a track and field world championship and people are incredibly kind and incredibly generous and so keen to make you feel at home and do anything they can. And even just, you know, the places that we can go, we're just going literally from the hotels to the media centres 
but even the media centers there's loads of little origamis being made and handed to you and they're just they're incredibly generous um and polite uh, nation and, uh, and and it's reflected in everything that we're seeing here so i mean they couldn't be more helpful and the systems seem to be running brilliantly here you know things like transport and everything but of course they've had the olympics already to be able to do that but but you know as experience as a journalist it's really been very very well done uh, that's interesting what Kleena says, Orla and John, because um, there is obviously the primary concentration is on the performance and how you're doing in your sport. But I'm sure, Orla, you got to see China and Brazil and London. I'm sure there were great experiences of just seeing those environments generally as well for you. Um, yes. Now, my event is normally at the very end of the Paralympics. So, like, my experience would be you go to your familiarization camp, you know, with your coach and you, you do your, your week or two of training and then you move into the village and you might have another kind of week or 10 days in the village um, where, you're, you know, you're still training um, and you're just kind of working on the little finer points um, before your event. And because I was on at the end, I'd compete and then maybe the following day or maybe a day or two later, I'd be going home. Um, so you know you might not get to see very much of of the country that you're in um but i just think it was interesting there um what Kina said about the stadium being empty and about how you know the spectators miss it more than the athletes and i definitely think that that's true now i don't know about track but i, I know obviously from field um from my experience I often don't hear the crowd and in London it was known for how loud the crowd was and any spectator that went over for me um, they would all have commented on how loud it was but I didn't hear it because you're so in the zone um, and in your own head and like you say you go out to the job to do when you do it and it's only afterwards that you kind of soak it all in and realize I've done now you know like I'm here I did it the job the job is done you know. And John, when you were in four Paralympic Games, did you uh, get to see more than the track, or was it very much get the job done, as, as Orla and Kleena have been saying? Uh, yeah, well, your 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 job there is is to get the job done. Um, so it really, as Orla says, depends on the schedule. From my own perspective, yes, I got to see a little bit of the cities that I was in, uh, but that would only have been where where when the competition was finished. Uh, and the longer you're going, the the, the, I suppose the, the better it is so the less of the city so you're not there to be a tourist no. so that's not really a priority for you in any way and if you get to see it well and good it's something to do while you're waiting to, to, for the competition to finish if you're not supporting other people so you know you, you, you might get to see them but that's not really the focus of the trip and it's interesting to listen to, to Kleena talk about the stadium there um, because the one thing I would say is that, that para competitions some of the major championships that we would go to there, we generally don't have crowds. So para-athletes would be very used to not ra- racing or competing or throwing in front of, of of big crowds because that's just the nature of the beast. The Paralympics tends to be the one that it, that draws the biggest crowd attendance. So And while the crowd is great and you might feed off it, depending on the way you go, or you might block it out, as Orla said, ultimately I think, I think it will be less of a distraction to para-athletes because they don't get that as much. Are there sports um, that are stronger than others in terms of our performance? Like we have boxing and rowing are very much strong Olympic sports. John, are there para sports that are stronger than others? Okay, well, the, the, where we've had our success in para, in, in para sports is athletic swimming and cycling. Um, and we've, what we've seen is some other sports like canoeing, we've had rowing, we have, um, you know, med, powerlifting now, we have archery, we have table tennis. 
So we, we've had less um, su medal success in those, but it's also too important to understand the context of success, what you define as success. So if success is solely de determined by medals, um, okay, swimming, cycling, and athletics. But for me, I think the, the, the definition of success is finalists. It's guys, they're doing PBs all over the place, and I'd be interested in Lena and Orla's opinions on this, but I'd, I'd be surprised if they, they weren't similar to me. That's success as well. So, and I think that I think that's something that we need to recognize that it's not all about the medals, and particularly when we're looking at investing. And Paris is only three years away, so when we're looking at what's coming down the line, there's a lot of success there for us to build on. We're doing things right, and not everything, you know, and we might need to adapt to do it better. Um, but so, in terms of medal success, yes, swimming, cycling, athletics are, are the main deliverers of those. But we're seeing progress in all other sports as well. Or the definition of success. Yeah, um, I 100% agree with John again, like the amount of PBs that have come in over the last couple of days, there was one morning in particular where every athlete that was on PB'd and yeah. like, you know, some people might ask you a question before you go out to a Paralympics, oh, how you fixed, you know, as in like how we fixed our medal, but like to an athlete, they're going out to do the best that they can do and they want to beat their own personal best because like as a thrower the further you throw the better you know and your aim is to keep improving as a as a runner the aim is to keep running faster so to get a pb is like the be all and end all and it's the only thing that you can control because you can't control the medals like you can't control what everyone else is doing in your event you can only control yourself so if you get a personal best then it puts you in the best position to win a medal but i always measured success on on personal best and Kleena, what have you seen from the athletes in the past week in that question about success and about being there and about whether it's medal or not? What, what has your experience been yeah, up close and personal really, with the athletes? It's really interesting, John. Um, one, I mean, the, both John and Orla have captured it, like the string of PBs, the pool. At one stage, I think there was 12 swims in the pool so far, or maybe 14. But there's only three of them that haven't been PBs and they, and they were in events that aren't people's main events. It's just been an extraordinary so the the swimmers had a brilliant camp and it looks to me like the cyclists are in the same shape as well and um, they've had a brilliant camp and they seem to have come in really really sharp and you know i'm inclined to think i don't know whether they agree but i do think there's an element there of the high performance system in irish swimming and irish cycling being very tightly involved with the para end of their sport and them being treated similarly and just feeling that they are equals in their sport um, in terms of everything that they're doing. And there's just a level of expertise, I think, being applied in Irish in Irish para swimming um, and Irish para cycling that it equals to what's happening you know, in Swim Ireland and in Cycling Ireland. And they're very closely integrated. And I think that that's, they're bearing the fruits of that out here. What have we got to look forward to over the next week? Jason Smith obviously is one person that comes to mind, but uh, lots of yeah. other chances. Yeah, loads of other chances. I mean, Jason's in tomorrow. And the, the, I mean, John Norley would say this is about the standards that, that keeps moving in Paralympic sports, like every other sport. Um, and also, I think this year as well, we're seeing the bounce from a five-year training, you know, having time to train. That's why I think people are doing so well out here because there's PPs everywhere, not just from the Irish. Um, mm. But we've got Jason tomorrow. But his his event, again, is moving on. There's a there's an American in it who used to be a, a high jump and a long jump specialist, and he's gone into his event. There's a 20-year-old Colombian here 
who could be dangerous as well. And there's Nigerian in his heat. So Jason knows himself that he is being pushed to the pin of his collar to hold on to this extraordinary title and this extraordinary run that he's had. Um, I think Nicole Turner, obviously, in her 50 metre butterfly, one of our best swimmers, and, and her specialty is coming on Sunday. And the cycling, the road cycling, I think, is really going to really kick off. And I think we're going to see more medals there. And um, Pat O'Leary in the canoeing, there's a new version of canoeing this year um, it's called Van, it has an outrigger on it and Pat is actually has, has, is doing that and his other events but he, he actually is the European champion in this year he won it, so I think Pat has a good chance of a medal but I can't leave it without discussing Neve, uh, as I call her Neve McDiscus, Neve McCarthy, um, great friend and colleague and uh, equal of Orla's so Orla's probably the best one to give you a preview on um, Neve and she's in on Wednesday have you been chatting to Neve yeah. at all, Orla? Yeah, I actually met Neve um, before she she flew out, and you know she's in great form. She's had some good throws um, during the year. She had a great throw at the Europeans, but also um, in Dublin as well. She had a very good competition, and she's going in third, I think, on the ranking list now. Again, her event is moving on as well, and on the night you just don't know what can happen. But Neve is a true competitor, and she will bring it out on the night. Like when she needs to bring it out, she will, you know. So I have high hopes for her, and also. Um, our other thrower, Mary Fitzgerald from Kilkenny, yeah. it's her first Paralympics and I think Mary is definitely one of the athletes that benefited from the extra year of training um, Mary threw over 8 metres in competition again the week before they flew out and she had been doing it in training um, but she just needed to prove it to herself that she could do it in competition and she did so I think she's going out with great confidence and again, um, that event is a very hot event, the, the top seeded girl is quite ahead but after that two three four five six on the ranking list they're all very close together so that would be an interesting one to watch as well john it seems like a very much a more competitive paralympic games than previously uh was the case yeah yeah it is and as maybe the the standards have got maybe the five-year bounce as cleaner referred to and look it is that's what we expect that this that the sport is growing all the time um, and I, I'm anticipating in Paris in three years' time, it's going to be even more competitive again. And that's what we want. We saw that in the Olympic Games. Remember that fabulous race in the in the women's hurdles. So you, you see it all the time. It's growing everywhere. And Paris sport is growing in, to that degree as well. Yeah. What's your hope then for Paris in 2024? Um, we're, not, we're, not, we're not finished this one yet. We've got a week to go. But in the next three years, what's your hope for the movement and for everything involved, John? Well, my hope for the movement really is that we... That we that we number one that we that we build upon what we have here and that and that we we, we look at that that piece I was talking about earlier on uh, that that you know that the next generation coming through that what are those pathways and how do we invest in 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 those guys who are on the cusp of a Paralympic performance are moving from a, a, a finalist up to a podium performance and really it's that you know it's only three years it's not that long um, so that for me most certainly that that model is that we look at it but also that you know that we as i say we build on this and we and, and we look to to maintain what what we achieve here in tokyo um and and if, if we can do that i think over the next three years that, that that's really good because the, the next generation we've we've been through a purple patch um of paralympic performance over the last three cycles and some of those athletes are are getting older they might not be there in paris so who's coming through who's next and, and that, that for me has to be the key focus are you involved in talks at all, John, or speaking to... No, I'm, I'm, I'm out of there. I, <laughs> I finished my term. 
as president in April and I, and I, I, I didn't go again. So I'm out of that. And so a very capable president in there, Emer Brannock, with a very capable board and a capable team. So what, how that look, what that looks like, and how that progresses, they'll they'll take that mantle and they'll they'll carry it on. And you know, it's it's in good hands. It's in it's in very good hands. Orla, you're involved in education. Are you involved in talks to the the nine year olds, uh, Orla Barrys of the of the future, as it were, or when you picked up the discus? Yeah, um, well, look, it's, it's great to be able to give back to the sport because I got so much out of it when I was young. And um, uh, at the grassroots level, like you very much rely on volunteers. So I'm volunteering now myself with the, the younger kids and, you know, just, just trying to get them off the ground um, and get them started and do a little bit of technique training with them. And and hopefully in a number of years, like we will have a seat to throw back on that Paralympic team again. Kleena, what's your um, assessment of the Paralympic uh, Irish landscape I, I at the think, moment being over there? Yeah, well, I think it's really interesting, Jan, that we're talking, if you like, we are talking about at least sport today, um, and that's good. But I think also the whole area of accessibility um, in sport, you know, that's what Paralympic sport, I think, really brings to us and makes us think about and 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 throws at us like, how is it? How is it resourced? How are we? How are we helping people like Orla to bring more people into the sport, younger, to give them those opportunities? And there's something I saw out here that was I thought was really lovely. They, there's a there's a guy out here who had, who runs a limb library, right? And basically, um, he he has a library of um, blades um for people with amputations and uh, you you get to go in and you get to try them you may be somebody who has never been able to run before because you didn't have that opportunity to wear a blade and then if if you find something that suits you um then they will help you to resource one and i think that's a really interesting idea particularly for children and i saw a beautiful tv program a few nights ago um with him and just talking about that whole philanthropic area so i think that while there is this whole element of elite sport and i think the great thing now is that Paralympians are seen as elite athletes. I think we also then they can use their voice to talk about more accessibility for others uh, to come into their sports. But particularly, I think at the grassroots level and how to grow it and how to give kids the opportunity when they're young, um, if they have an impairment of some kind, to get the joy from sports that everybody should have and then to see can they be really good at a sport and do they want to take it further. Who are you um, going to see tomorrow, Kleena, in, in Japan? Um, I am starting early in the morning with our archer, Kerry Leonard, um, and she's actually the first Irish arch- archer that we've had in 13 years at an Olympics, our Paralympics. So she came through her um, the seeding round tomorrow, uh, yesterday, and she's got uh, a, she's got a, a straight one-on-one match. And um, and like a lot of Irish people in sport, I think she loves the match play element of it, like being a golfer. And um, she seems to really like the match play element. So she she comes into that seeded 18 against. Uh, um, uh, an Indian woman who's seated 15 and the arena for the one on one is amazing. So I'm really looking forward to that tomorrow because basically they're like, there's just two of them placed inside in the stadium. And it's very laudatorial and they shoot down and all the attention will be on them. So it looks like it could be a great event. OK, Cleena Foley's, thanks so much for joining us from Tokyo. Um, and John Fulham and Orla, Orla, Far- Orla Barry, you've been great to give us your time on the Saturday panel uh, with thanks to Toyota. Um, keep um, up the great work and we'll chat soon. Thanks, Thanks, John. Thanks a million, John. Great to talk to you all. The Saturday panel on Off the Ball.